This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Nomad Futurist. This is your co-host, Nabil Mahmood, currently out of New York City. Hello, this is Philip Koblenz from Montclair, New Jersey. And this is the interviewee, Bill Skinner. I'm at Dayton, New Jersey. Bill, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. Let's start to get uh, to know you a little bit. What do you do? Who are you? Man, that's hard to answer. Anybody that's in data centers will always say, I work in computers, and that's usually good enough for most people, but I'll elaborate more because some people that listen here might actually care, but I know they can relate to that story of, hey, what do you do for... So I'm in, I'm in data centers for the past, I don't know, 20 years almost. So I graduated college around 2002. I worked for Sun Microsystems for a couple of years, supporting Bloomberg Financial. And then uh, I got hired there and to work as an engineer in data centers and since moved up through the ranks as a leader and then moved into building out some data and then build, moved into running some departments. So a uh, little bit of everything. Some of the great things about that career is just, you know, always being able to change. You know, you don't want to be stale in this kind of environment because if you do, you know, you'll be left behind, right? So I've always been able to kind of jump and move on and learn new things as we went. So how did you get started? It sounds like that you went to college for an information technology degree. What was the driving factor behind you choosing to be in the information technology business? So in high school, um, I'll tell you, my grades were okay. The only thing I was really good in was computers. So my dad said, you're going into computers. So <laughs> I went to college, did the five-year program and graduated with an IT degree. What did that mean? I came out after the dot-com fall. There's no computer jobs anymore. So I got lucky enough to get hired by some microsystems and one of their partners. And they trained me intensively on what it meant to actually work in a data center, work on hardware, fix computers at a low level. So, you know, I was working on what they would consider back then as supercomputers, big mainframes and things like that. So just kind of, you know, hit the ground running once, once that happened. You showed a picture of computer was to a, a teenager today, they would likely not recognize it as what they consider a computer. Yeah. Now you're really aging us, I guess, and aging me. I'm, I'm usually- You still have hair. Yeah. I'm usually- You're the only one. That's surprised. That's surprised. I believe you feel old, but so yeah, no, I, some people might remember my first computer is Tandy 500. I remember messing around with it, breaking it, no, get it, make it better again, but- Yeah, it's like a Tandy owned a computer company. Incredible. Yeah. And then, yeah, so in, in, in high school, they gave some, you know, pretty, I'll call it bleeding edge, you know, computer classes at the time, some software stuff. So we were able to make some games. I won some award with a partner in my class. So then also not, like I said, my parents were like, all right, this is the route you're going. And then I would do uh, programming languages. So software development. And I did independent study there and electronics and stuff like that. I don't know, just the, it came kind of easy. So it was just kind of went that route. How did you develop the interest in computers to begin with? It was just that. I would say kind of fell into it, you know? I would, I really, I would say too, it went through some struggles in college. I'm sure a lot of people do because you get a little bit more advanced and a lot more of a core study. And I was like, man, do I really want to do this, right? And, you know, all the stuff I learned in college, by the way, 
is not not the stuff I use today when it comes to computers and software development, all of that. I mean, it sure helped me at my core to understand how things work. But where I really learned was on the job. And uh, it's actually something very important to talk about when, we, when you bring up data centers. No one out there forever even heard of what a data center was or trained for it or put any, put any education into it, right? So all these people graduating out there, they have no idea what the data center is. They just heard the cloud, right? So that's something that's very unique. I would say in the past five to 10 years, a company called CNET helped partner to make the first master's program for data center professionals. So people can actually go out there in IT and then take a master's in data center, which is pretty cool. So it's kind of getting more abundant now. My boss partnered with a local high school and said, look, we're going to bring high school students into the data center and show them what it is and let them do a hackathon and give them some projects to learn about the data centers, because that's real good knowledge for them to have as they- it Sounds like your role has, has evolved from the actual computer guy to, yeah, how often are you actually interacting with the computer today? Yeah, some of my colleagues uh, will laugh and they'll say, hey, when's the last time you were in the data center? You know, did your badge still work? That kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. You know, once you get to be like, uh, you know, mid-level uh, management and all of that, you, you kind of get on the floor less. Really, you know, my passion is leadership at this point and, you know, really growing people and helping them succeed, growing the department. I'll say one thing that I've always been good at is looking at a problem and being able to come up with some solutions to it. And I still have found value in that. My boss still sees value in that. So doing good with that. So let's, let's go through briefly for our viewers here. You just went to college, got a degree in information technology. Great. Then you got involved with the IT, started learning about data centers. You've been in this place for the last 20 years or so, give or take. How have you transitioned and what roles have you been a part of to get to where you're at today in your career? Yeah. So, you know, data centers are 24, seven, 365, right? They're never down. And basically I was on the shift as, as an engineer first starting out. And then I became a leader after probably seven or eight years on the weekends. So I had to work every weekend, freshly married, and it was tough, you know, a uh, family life's hard when you got to do that kind of thing. Then in order to get a promotion, I went to New York City and I sacrificed life again because it was two and a half hour drive in and out, you know, down in Tom's River on the Jersey Shore. So that's always fun, especially in the summer with traffic and things like that. But, you know, they set me up in a spot where I was able to have more impact, right? And that's what I always strive for. I didn't necessarily have the most experience when I got that job, but I said to my boss and during the interview to others, I said, I really want to have more impact. I want to be put in a role where I can help drive things and help deliver new, new solutions. So I think that was kind of a breaking point in my career was, you know, going into New York city and one of the most legacy data centers we had and being able to kind of have impact and evaluate new technology and just bring new things to, to, uh, to the data center. What elements have you touched? Like, sounds like you were in operations, you know, process management, sounds like organizational change sure. management and leadership is very gay. What elements have you touched, you know, within this space? And, and the reason why I'm asking this question, and I constantly say this, that we are the largest, smallest industry with the most verticals in our space. So for our listeners, can you just expand on that? In the last 20 years of your career, what elements and or verticals have you touched? Sure. Yeah, and it's uh, that's actually a super interesting topic because there is so many, and I agree with you 100%, right? You have everything between... Hey, what's a cabinet 
right? That, that you rack servers in and the expertise with that. What's the power? What's the server? What's airflow and cooling? What is the facilities piece of it, right? How does the power work, the backup power, the battery, all of those things. Like I said before, when I went to college, no one told me I'd have to be an engine, electrical engineer to do my job, but I had to learn a bunch about that, you know? So I would say, you know, with this job, you know, my boss has always challenged us and he's had a great vision to say, look, we're not just the smart hands. If you've heard of smart hands before, I'll define it a little bit. It's you get a ticket, they tell you to go swap a hard drive, you walk out there, you swap a hard drive, you come back to your desk and you process the paperwork, right? He said, no, we're going to know a little bit about everything and be kind of a jack of all trades in the IT industry. So he challenged us to learn it all. And I'll, I'll say, you know, we touched every bit of those verticals and we bugged people who didn't want to be bugged and challenged because we were educated and we were able to do that. So... It's been a, it's really great success story there, I think. For but I think, I, and, and it's something we preach all the time, like this idea of, you know, instead of compartmentalizing employees within an organization, give them exposure to all the various pieces of, you know, an IT organization, the business part of it and all that, because notwithstanding the fact that the data center is an incredible place to be impactful, you're not just pushing papers and manipulating spreadsheets, you're actually doing things that you can see the impact of in real time. And, and you're actually helping things that you can see and that then there's something really compelling about how tangible that all is. It's the people that work in an area of their business where they understand the impact on other areas are inherently happier and more productive because, you know, they're not just robotic about what they do. They understand that, you know, the business process that requires the type of compute that requires the type of power that requires the type of cooling that requires the specific type of cabinet and all the elements within that cabinet that, that make that entire process operate efficiently is to the right, you know, type of, of person fascinating. And if you're fascinated by what you're doing, you're actually going to be more successful at it and, and go further. Wow. You really do know some stuff about this industry, huh? Yeah. I've earned this hairline. <laughs> no, you really well, always got off. Stripes. Yep. Yeah, he definitely sounds like you're going to say, really, it, so I live that too, because look, there's a contrarian view, view of that, right? And that view is you're more efficient if you do repeatable and programmable and let people do this thing 50 times a day. But to your point, retention and growth is not there. And those people, they age off or they don't want to be there anymore. And they go, hey, this isn't challenging me anymore, right? So I have a good story for that, actually. Because I, when I went to the New York data center, they did it a lot different. They did that silo thing, right? And my boss's boss had challenged me when I got the job to get rid of the silos. And I talked to one of the individuals and he goes, Bill, you know, I'm just not challenged here anymore. I, I really don't have fun at the job. And this person was super smart. I said, all right, well, challenge accepted on my side, right? And I just tried to give him a bunch of new things and learning opportunities. And he excelled, you know, he loved it. You know, there's some others that, had a hard time with it as well. I said, hey, why do I have to learn power? That is not my job, right? So you have to explain those things. But it's important to get people the why behind things. And I'm sure you've had some leadership stuff in the past. And, uh, you know, explaining to people why and not telling is a very important thing. Being a technologist that you are today and in the industry that you are, 
What, what, how do you keep up with the, the constant evolution, the constant change that we have been experiencing for the, the last five to 10 years? It's a good question. I would say one of the big, well, we do a, a few things, right? So we'll talk to all of our uh, vendors out there, right? And we get technology roadmaps, you know, three, five years out. That way we can kind of stay ahead of that curve, right? You go out there and you go, hey, what's coming? What should we be learning? What should we be addressing, right? Never hire for what you need today, hire for what you need tomorrow, right? And then growing the team so that, you know, you're putting a different skill set and diversity. So things like that, I think, is, have been really key to our success in those pieces but also training. Our company and my boss are big proponents of training. So, you know, as much as we can do to keep people up to speed and be the best of the best, you know, that's what we do. We have every week internal training that people log in uh, twice a day to catch up on seminars that, that we've built internally. You know, so just making sure that people have that opportunity and also we challenge our people to take that opportunity and, and bring that to the teams too, so. You've been there for 20 years. You talk about, obviously, you know, uh, staying on top of things in, in the data center space. And one thing I'm always struck by, because I'm, I'm a legacy facility guy, right? Uh, I'm the guy you come to if you have a really old site and you want to put uh, lipstick on a pig and make it to make it feel like a fresh site. And the underlying technology that runs infrastructure has not really largely changed that much over the course of the last 20 years, right? It's copper touching copper. It's glass touching glass. It's large air-conditioned rooms with various types of you know, redundant power, et cetera. What, what areas have you found more specifically within those realms of, yeah. of the data center that, that have evolved in ways that have either surprised you or, or kept you on your toes? Well, I'll do, I'll answer it two ways. The first part is I'll tell you some of the things that we've done that were unique and were kind of cutting edge. And then I'll talk about some of the other pieces where we've kind of explored so we can see what we need to do. So I'll give you an example of five. We had a product back in the day where you'd, you'd have to do the fibers and get the heads on. We moved over to splicing at one point, which is a new technology to us, but a lot of people in the, I'll call it field, right? Where they do it under the sewers and, you know, all the, t the connectivity around the world, they're doing it there, but not at data centers and things like that. Because you're wondering, folks, all of your is brought Pretty close to where your poop is running. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. But anyway, so that's one That's one technology we picked up. And then, you know, as we went on, you know, we partnered with a lot of different people out there. So our CTO at the time knew somebody, or knew a bunch of people in, in the areas of our, what we do, right? So we would meet up as a team and catch up and say, hey, what are you seeing in the industry? What should we be looking for? What are you seeing, right? So things like active optics and direct attached cable and then generic optics where you don't have to pay the top vendor in the world for their specific gold, you know, best thing. The other optic works just as good. Program it or don't program it. You can get it to work, right? So doing some of those things was challenging. We had a lot of lessons learned where we had to figure out we need to do a lot of certification testing and things like that to help make it a success, but those been those have been great. Another big one was OCP. You know, that's out there. We we actually put a whole new cabinet design and contributed back to OCP. We look to onboard that, right? And the the whole idea behind that, people don't know what OCP is, it's the open compute project. It's been around for a long time. Facebook started it and basically what they said was everyone has to give back their designs, right? So what they did was they got free engineering and R&D from everybody around the world because they had to put that engineering back in. 
And then they commoditize it by saying, we're going to buy a thousand of them or hey, LinkedIn or wherever else helped me buy them, right? So it was genius what they did. We ended up not really getting involved there too much, but we stayed up to date on things like that. So um, it was genius and we decided not to uh, participate at all. In any event, it was genius for them because they saved themselves <laughs> a lot of money. But look, those, we call it like the super eight, I think it is now or whatever. They buy the 90% of the technology out there, right? So they have those big commoditized budgets where they, do it deep and cheap for price. So I also have a like, great set of motels near rest stops. The, the, you find the data center industry to be more cordial than other industries. You know, I, I, I see it from a networking perspective. I see a lot of people getting together and, you know, sharing details about what they're doing in a way that you probably, you don't really find in other industries where it seems like people are more you know, competitive is, is the word. It was never like that ever. That changed over the past, call it six years, maybe. Whatever you did in data centers was a secret. You couldn't get in anywhere, right? So my colleague, Steve Hatchis and I, we were in the New York, New Jersey area during Hurricane Sandy. Some of you may or may not know what that is, but it was a big superstorm over here and it really destroyed so many things. Right? Hated much of my hairline. Yeah, okay. So you, were, you definitely experienced it as well. I was in New York City at the time, right? And people went down. The streets were flooded, right? So we said, you know, well, we, we belong to... AFCOM was a, you know, the industry professionals for data centers around the country and world, right? And there was no chapter that was meeting. We said, how is no one, how is no one out there meeting during such a crisis to talk about some of the problems we encountered and stuff? So anyway, we relaunched the chapter about seven or eight years ago, or maybe nine now, I, I can't even keep track. And what we did was we incorporated that education and that networking. And to your point, Philip, we really stressed the networking piece, right? Because you get people out. You make sure you have it, some food and some cocktail hour and just have people be able to stay and linger where people tend to just get out of there, right? So uh, yeah, building those relationships. And then one of the things we pride ourselves on were uh, getting data center tours. So we try and host at all of the different data centers in the areas so we can get those tours through places. And to, to your point before was, it's not secret, right? Let's see how you're doing it. Are we doing it different? Are you doing it better? Let's compare notes, right? So... Yeah, AFCOM, like you said, it's, you know, it's been around for a real long time. I couldn't tell you how long. People sometimes ask me, what does AFCOM stand for? I asked the originator, he's, I don't know what it stands for. <laughs> it's a name that somebody can eat with. So uh, who knows, but it's all about data center professionals. We used to have a cabinet vendor called AFCO and then AFCOM. So everyone get us like, it would get it confused. But there's another one out there called 7 by 24 and they focus on facilities. Very much so, right? And they're they're great. And AFCOM focused more on the IT side. So that was kind of like they were partnering up almost. They didn't partner, but you know, for us in industry, we can go to both and learn different things. So basically AFCOM did for a long time, data center world, sometimes two years, sometimes around the world they would do. Now they're down to one a year. And we actually just had it in Austin, Texas. You go down there and you meet up and there's a conference for the week and they do a ton of education. They got a great expo hall. Great networking. This year, we did some data center tours. And then the local chapters around the country helped drive participation. So we all volunteer our time to help them and the industry get educated on things. So we'll meet once a quarter and uh, just bring the local crowd who's, uh, who are AFCOM members and sometimes not to events and learn more about what's going on in the industry. So I'll just drop in a quick appreciation for AFCOM over here. They have been absolutely phenomenal in working and collaborating with us at Nomad Futurist. And the focus for both of the organizations is to advance, help advance data center IT infrastructure professionals 
and uh, encourage the younger generation to come in our space. Thank you for uh, being an advocate for us in the New Jersey, New York area. You're officially a Nomad Futures Advocate. Thank you very much for that. I have all of your support uh, in, in spreading the word. And, you know, thank you for your chapter as well for, for letting us be a part of this journey together. Staring it into a little bit of a different direction, we want to get to know you just a little bit more on personal on a technical level as well. So you went to school, got your degree in information technology. You've been in the space for the last 20 years. What gets you excited? I mean, what kind of industry stuff are you looking at? And, you know, what, what gets you the juices flowing as it entails to innovation that you have seen over the last 20 years in this space? Well, first, let me say, you know, give it back to you guys. You know, thank you for doing something so unique and bringing this to the industry. It's kind of cool that we get to hear from a bunch of people around the world and just talk about this stuff, right? Where, like I said, a lot of times you talk to people, they don't have any idea what we do. So this will just help everyone. So thanks there. So I guess, yeah. First to say, you're welcome, Bill. Yeah, go ahead. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. So I guess for me, you know, I'll tell a little bit about myself. You know, I'm an enormous New York Giants fan. I love the Giants. I'm going to the draft party tonight. Can't wait to see what happens. We got the new. Oh, we just lost so many listeners. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, we beat the Patriots twice. Everyone should be happy. Sorry, I mean, Brady still doesn't like Eli. But, you know, and I, you know, I like the golf. Wouldn't say I'm great at it, but I definitely enjoy getting out there. We're doing a pretty large uh, golf outing with about 150 golfers on Monday for AFCOM. So that's pretty successful and a lot of fun. As far as like what I'm really you know, looking forward to an industry and doing things that I look into is, is really around leadership and growing the team and expanding my expertise to help people uh, grow, you know, so less about technology nowadays, because I have smart people that work for me that are, should be smarter than me and are, and I let them make those good decisions now, you know, not that I'm, you know, slacking off and not looking at anything, but you know, you got to empower your people to do that stuff. So I really try and focus on helping uh, them grow more than anything. So, What do you think are some of the biggest challenges as an industry that we are facing? Power. Yeah, power. You could see it. You know, Moore's Law is going away almost. And the servers and compute out there, the power is rising at a drastic rate in comparison to what we can cool and fill a room with, right? And so... That's where you got got to get creative and stay up to speed on what's the next solution, right? Where are we going as an industry? You know, I've seen some different data centers out there, very unique. Some of those, like I said, those big, big ones that are out there and uh, they're doing some cool stuff to, you know, free air cool, liquid cool. So yeah, we're researching that now. That's pretty fun actually just to get into. Like I said, it's not my expertise anymore, but of course, you know. Do you, do you see a lot of, you know, interest from, you know, the younger generation coming into your space, not just oh, cool, it's a data center, let me come in, but actually like coming into your organization, particularly as it relates to infrastructure, not just a terminal of some unknown name. Yeah, I'll say, sorry, I'll say, you know, definitely two things there. So one, we have a contractor program that we enlist. So we bring people in off the street who may not have a, a lot of experience. So that's kind of junior. And it doesn't matter about the age at that point or whatever they, you know, apply, they apply. I would say you're getting a mix, a good mix of, uh, you know, just people coming out of college really is more of the experience there. And that could be people going back to college or just getting out from high school and going to college. Are college um, degrees required? No, no, that's not necessarily required. Uh, smart people are smart, right? We do a lot of training on the job, like I said, because remember what I told you is college degrees don't train for data centers, right? 
So we found some good people that literally were a high school degree and one of the best, some of the best people uh, I know here have succeeded that way, but you know, not really required that much, but they have to have proven knowledge. So in order to get hired, you know, you can't just have someone who we have to teach everything to, but that's been a great success for us, right? So we have these contractors who help us. They'll subsidize some of the work for us. And then if they don't succeed, you know, they go on to other things and, you know, some of them that do succeed, we hire, right? And then there's another uh, program we use, which is uh, hiring our heroes. So we've been uh, using that as well with some veterans coming uh, out of the military and learning a bunch about technology or maybe even like project management and other things. When I was at Data Center World, actually, I got to meet, was a gentleman's name, Kirk Ophel from Overwatch. So if you're a, f- a future participant of the Nomad Futurist podcast. Yeah, there you go. Scout out, you know, tag him on, tag him online. But he runs a similar program where he hires veterans and he certifies them in data center professional uh, certifications and then gets them jobs somewhere else. So we're looking to partner there as well. You know, so all the avenues. Um, well, that's outstanding. Well, thank you for giving back to the community. What's next for Bill? You have had a phenomenal career. Sounds like you are enjoying it. What's next besides running for office? <laughs> well, like I said, you know, the uh, the AFCOM thing is pretty rewarding. I didn't mention that uh, we became a nonprofit pretty much immediately. After we, we started the chapter back up and I've got a great team on the board. You know, definitely shout out to all of them. I can't list all of them in one, but a lot of work goes in and volunteering. But we've been able to give back, you know, over $100,000 to the uh, community. And that's something that I really enjoy. So philanthropic uh, efforts, uh, getting more involved there. Uh, I'm really enjoying that piece, not only of that found, but, uh, but as far as the, uh, the industry goes and what I'm doing, as long as I'm being challenged and I'm able to have impact here, I'm going to be here. You know, whether that means I get some new teams or I do a new role, that's to be determined. But the great thing about where I'm at now is I can always grow. And the, the company has shown me that I can go on to other things and learn new things and keep keep moving, right? So I've never felt stale here. And, and that's the most important part, I think, for everyone out there listening. Make sure you're not bored, right? Because then you won't be having fun and you won't do good. No question. I, yeah, I think those are those are great words. If you had to touch on a couple of those characteristics that that made you successful, that you think, you know, if you're, you're a younger person listening to this podcast, if you are, you know, the younger Bill Skinner, was at school and high school that you wish you had known if, if you were that age. After college. After, after college. After college. After, no, when I was a big after, you were, yeah. If you were, uh, no, well, what would you tell your elementary school self when you got into junior high? No, from now, 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 now you know, after college, yes. After. No, I do talk to some people now, right? I've mentored a, a bunch of people here and a lot of them have really done great. And what I tell them, and I try and remind them too, even now, I just told this to someone the other day who's successful here. And I said, don't forget how you got there and why you got there because you're persistent. That's the key word there, right? Once you bring something up, make sure you follow up, make sure you get it done. Make sure you come up with a solution. You're not the person who says, Hey, this is broke, but I'm going to walk away from it. Right? So being persistent is one of the key things that I did throughout my entire career. And then the other part is if it makes you uncomfortable, go out there and learn a lot more about it because you don't want to be that person who steps back in an outage or in a crisis where you don't know what's going on because you never challenge yourself to learn it. So I never wanted to be that person in the room where I got the challenge with something and I said, Oh, I don't know how to do that. 
And if I did, I said I didn't. But then uh, sure enough, the next time I knew a bunch about it. So. Thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Really enjoyed to get to know you at Beach in person in New York City. And I've been wanting to do this for a long, 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 long time. Live from New York City, this is No Bad Futurist. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. This was Bill Skinner. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Notwithstanding the fact that you're a Giants fan. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. No problem. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back, currencies will rebound, businesses will go on, and we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com. <laughs>